up, Internet? You're tuned in episode 126 of the podcast. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. Hello, Steve. I have been traversing the galaxy all week, but you know what? I'm glad to be back on good old solid Earth to do this podcast with you this week. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. You know, I've been adventuring in a shanty town, so it's nice to be back in in my house. <laughs> Your mansion in the UK. <laughs> yeah, my mansion. Back at Croft Manor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really I didn't realize that they added Hue lights to Croft Manor. That's pretty cool. Nice they update. did, you know. It's uh it's an old building, so we've got to be careful with what we do to it, because it, you know, it's a listed building. It's mm. cherished by everyone. But sure. You know, we can we can add some colored light bulbs in. Yeah, that's good. It's not too bad. Not intrusive, right? Doesn't mess with the natural yeah. architecture. Anyway, uh, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. Of course, we are LewPots.com's weekly gaming podcast where Steve and I get together and talk about all things going on in the world of video games. Uh, you know, this week we're going to be talking more about Mass Effect, more about Tomb Raider. We're going to talk a little bit about Steve's first impressions of Jason Schreier's new book, Press Reset. Uh, you can also hear us talk about uh, pretty big, uh, pretty big news week, and we've got tons of questions in the mail pot this week as well. So if we want to get to it all, we're gonna have to just jump right into it. So uh, of course, let me just before we get into what we're playing, tell you where you can find us all around the web. Uh, you know, we are available wherever you get your podcasts every Monday morning. You know, give us the likes, give us the shares, give us the subscribes over on the YouTube channel. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, if you want to get some more content from us, of course, you can head over to twitch.tv slash loot pots where every Thursday, uh, except for this one, because uh, we had to record the show this Thursday. Uh, Steve and I are Steve and I are there streaming a game for your viewing pleasure. Uh, most recently, we've been playing some Super Mario Party uh, with some of our streaming friends, some members of the community. It's been a blast. Um, if you'd like to watch a stream and, uh, you know, this Thursday you can't, go watch the archive of last week's stream. You know, it was a good one. And if you were there, watch it twice. You know, relive the memories. It was a good time. Uh, we'll be back next week with something. Uh, so if you want to see us play some more Super Mario Party or something else, let us know. And uh, we'll play that this week. Um, you can, of course, also head over to patreon.com slash where for just a dollar, you can get access to our patron-exclusive show, After Dark, where this week, Steve and I talked about all kinds of stuff. Uh, we talked about the road trip. That is the reason that we didn't stream this week, uh, that I'll be going on this weekend with my band. We talked about uh, Eurovision, all kinds of good stuff. Uh, so go go check it out. Um, just a buck helps us uh, keep the lights and the mics rolling, and um, you get a little bit of extra loot pots in your feed every week. So uh, go check it out. So, that's enough shilling for now. Let's jump into what we're playing. Uh, I, of course, am, am still knee-deep in Mass Effect. Um, Never heard of it. You know, Steve? You know what, Steve? Uh, I'm going to go into our... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull our oh, first no, question out no. of the mail pot. Pull our, pull our first, first message out of the mail pot this week. This one <laughs> comes from Mr. Zaid Ida, who wrote in to me at pete.lupots.com, just like you can if you want to be a part of of our MailPot segment and get your questions or comments right on the air. And Zaid wrote in and said, Hey guys, hope all is well with you. Just out of curiosity, I was wondering if Steve was able to pick up the Mass Effect Legendary Edition like he promised Pete. See, I got your pack, Pete. If yes, how are you enjoying it so far? If not, why do you like hurting Pete so much? Pete's a good guy. <laughs> hope you guys stay safe and I hope you have a fun tour with LFTF Pete. 
Thank you so much, Zade. Oh, and then he said, warm regards, the Loot Pot's number one hype man, Zadita, which is, I'd say, accurate. Absolutely uh, thank accurate. you so much for writing in, Zade. Um, I'm, I will have a fun weekend. Thank you. And um, yeah, so Steve, my, my question to you is, why are you a bastard? We've been I'm friends. So, I'm so we've sorry. Been, we've been friends for literal years now. You promised me two weeks in a row you're going to go pick up Mass Effect. I We're told talk you about I it. would not this week. You know I told you I wouldn't because you said, don't you dare come back here with a long list of games after you're saying you're not playing Mass Effect. Right. Exactly. And you said you'd get it this week. And then you come into this episode with this immediate energy of, oh, what's Mass Effect? I'm going to troll you. Don't even, man. Don't even. You're already on thin ice with me about this Mass Effect situation. You know, I I was going to pick it up and it was like, do I get this? Do I get Persona 5 Royal? And, you know, I decided in the end not to. He's just trolling us now. In the end, not to get either of them. And maybe I'll change my mind later. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get Mass Effect next week. Don't worry. We'll, we'll be talking about Mass Effect when we record. As long as we record. Oh, shit. When are we recording next week? Because I'm you away to... next weekend. So it might not be next week. We're going to have to record the show early before you go away. And you better fucking get the game and but play I don't know if I'm going to be playing then. That's the thing, you know? Well, that's interesting because on your list, it says you played Tomb Raider and Red Press Reset this week. So you obviously had some time to play games. I did have and a little bit of time. And now you're telling me you're not going to be on the show. Oh, I don't know if I can even be on the show. The week that I promised I'd get Mass Effect and come. I'll be on the show. We'll, rec- we'll record early. I'll be on the show, you know, because we need to we, we need we need to discuss a few things. We need to we need to figure out what mass effect is about you know but i need time to play because you said i need to play through that first section which is like seven hours or something right no 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 no. it's not it's like it's like mm, it's like the first two to three hours of the game okay well i can maybe do that but oh all right you're killing me you're killing me get it on sunday yeah we should be i should be able to yeah you got nothing going on on sunday we don't have the show. I might have plans now. Actually, I probably am going to be on the sofa all day Sunday because I've exactly. been vaccinated. So that's something Post your- to do. I want to finish Tomb Raider. Let me finish Tomb Raider, please. No, Let me finish you Tomb can't. No, no if I, dude. If I, you no, already no, no, agreed. No, no. If, if I fall off of Tomb Raider. Yeah, because my plan was, you know, I finished Tomb Raider over the weekend. I pick the game up like Monday, Tuesday. I play the game. We talk about it next Sunday. The plans, you know. It, it, it was solid, but then what I didn't realize was we're not re- we're probably not recording next weekend now because I'm away, and so like what do we, what do we do? So you know I I can't f- not finish Tomb Raider because if I do that I'll fall off and I won't come back and I and I want to finish this series. How far? And then how far I'm committed. I've I'm like forty percent of the way through according to the like screen. You're it's not getting finishable. Mass Effect this week. You're not getting Mass Effect this week. I'm going to get Mass Effect. <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. Anyway. Uh, you know, Steve. All right. Okay. Okay. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I'm going to be episode should 127. It's going to be very I, interesting. <laughs> I'll just download the one from EA, EA Play. We'll just play the old game. Yeah. That's the one, I'm, that's the one to go for, right? You son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. <laughs> God, it's easy to wind you lot up. <laughs> you're killing me. You're absolutely killing me. You'll buy you'll buy forty indie games where you're like, I can't afford <laughs> I can't afford Mass Effect. Too rich for my blood. 
you know, who wants to to hear someone talking about playing, you know, a game from like 2007? You know, no one wants to hear that. No. When they could hear you talking about a game from 2014 instead. Yeah, exactly. You know, seven years newer. It's actually even from like 2012. So, you know, it's very close because it's originally a 360 game. It's almost 10 years so, old, back, so that's yeah. fine. You're the worst. Why did it take so long for them to re- remaster Mass Effect? I don't know. EA is ridiculous. They've been saying for years that they're like, we don't, we don't really like want to do the remaster thing. And everyone's like, but why? Like, It's just, money. You like just that. Just give me it. Yeah. It's like, it's ridiculous. I don't understand. I really don't understand. But we got it now. And I'm really excited to talk about it. And you just refuse to engage with me. <laughs> And I have concerns that Dad's going to be playing Mass Effect 3 when I go over next weekend. Great. And so I'm going to see some of Mass Effect 3. And you're just going to get it spoiled for you and then be like, I don't want to play it now. I saw one minute, <laughs> I saw one minute of it out of context. The whole thing's Look, I know I want to play Mass Effect. I just know how big of a time commitment it is to play three massive games like that. Like, but you don't you don't have to play all three of them directly in a row. Like, just get right, but just I, get in there. Just get in there. It's, and it'll also, happen. You could like not do a lot of side quests and get through the first Mass Effect very quickly. Like, if you if you do minimal side quests in that game, like if you just do like the plot centric side quests that will like maximize your relationships with the companions and everything you can get through that whole game in like fucking under 20 hours probably okay that's doable 20 hours but then like i'm assuming the second and third are bigger um i mean you could if you mainline them they're probably similarly length between like 20 and 30 hours but like the side quests are worth doing in those games more because they're they're better um some of the side quests in mass effect one are really good but there's a lot of like driving around in the tank, which most Mass Effect fans will agree is not the best thing, and that's why the Mako is not in the second or third game. <laughs> is it because the tank's hard to control? Yeah, and it's also just not what you want to be doing. Like you want to be doing like the firefights as your characters, like in, with your squad, because um, like that's the stuff you're leveling up. So like having to like get in fights in the tank and stuff, it's just like why am I doing this? Like I don't want to do this. This isn't what I signed up for. I want to talk usually I'm people. all for a tank. I'm usually all for like a vehicle and stuff. I just it doesn't add anything, I don't think. Like I, to me it's like the formula of, of a good like section of a Mass Effect game is like talk to somebody, run down some hallways and shoot some stuff, talk to somebody, run down some more hallways and shoot some stuff, talk to somebody, like that's what you want to do. You want to keep it focused on the action and the the dialogue cuz that's the good stuff. Okay. Uh, I will check them out. I promise you. I will check them out. I promise you, P. I promise you, Zay. I promise you, everyone else is listening who is interested to see how I like Mass Effect. I will absolutely check out Mass Effect. Okay. It just might so. not be next week's show due to recording times, but it, I will pick up Mass Effect. You son of and I've got right. to tell you, Pete, you know, something's changed in me. I'm going all digital on this generation. Really? Yeah. Why? Quick resume. It's a big deal. 
You know, it's like that alone. It's like you go to play a game. It's like quick resume. It's like, oh, I've got to get up to put the disc in. And that's the laziest fucking thing. And the most first world problem that I've got to get up and find a disc and put it in the console. But to be able to snap between games is just. It's a beautiful thing. It's incredible. And, and, And I'm just going digital. I'll tell you what. You won't miss it. Going digital, it's it's great. And the quick resume thing, I feel spoiled by it already. Because when I play on my PlayStation and I have to hop back in, I'm like, son of a bitch. I got to close the game and open the game again. What is this, the Stone Age? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen a bunch of PC players complaining as well. Like, that's such a good feature. And obviously Microsoft makes Windows. It's just like, come on, bring, bring something like that over. Yeah, I can't believe it's not a thing on PC, honestly. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's because your PC has to do other stuff. Yeah, it's like running it. a whole operating system in the background, yeah. The uh, the other thing that's really cool about it is, you know how, have you ever experienced the, how quick resume works, like when you turn the, like when you power the Xbox off, like totally? Only this week, because it wouldn't, my Xbox wouldn't turn on and it was after an update had happened, mm-hmm. but it seems to just work just normally, like it just it lights up, it's so weird. Yeah, it's crazy. So I had uh, a situation... The, maybe the day Mass Effect came out. I don't know. It was like a week or so ago. And uh, the power went out for like a second. And I was like, fuck, I don't remember the last time I saved. Like, that sucks. I'm going to, you know, lose some progress probably. Because um, there's an autosave feature in the first Mass Effect, but it's very like choosy about when it autosaves. So you'll regularly die and be like, fuck, what? That's the last autosave? Shit. Okay. Um, so you got to make sure you're saving. But, uh, and I would turn it back on and it would just like pick me right back, drop me right back where I was. And it's like, yes, oh, that's awesome. I love you, Xbox. <laughs> yeah. Generally, that feature keeps me com- like coming back to games that I would have probably dropped off of usually, you know, just because. And now even more so with the latest update, I've pinned the quick resume games, the games that are in suspended state to my home screen. So it's just Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was playing that. It's great. And, like, the other day, um, it was, like, before Mass Effect came out, I was, like, desperately, like, I just, I, all I wanted to do was play Mass Effect, and I didn't feel like playing <laughs> anything else. And uh, I had downloaded a couple games on Game Pass and, like, jumped into, like, Enter the Gungeon. And, like, my game of Enter the Gungeon is, like, still resumed, uh, you know, in the background right now, like, fucking a week and a half later. And it's just, that's awesome, you know? Uh, it's great. I've got Tetris Effect in the list, and I haven't played it since, like, January. It's mad. It's totally crazy. Um, so anyway, I've been playing Mass Effect, <laughs> and uh, I am, I'm, I'm getting through it. Like I am pretty close to the end. Um, I genuinely thought you would have finished it, but I guess I think, we're recording early, so I think if we'd have been recording normal time, you'd have been like, I've "Just roll credits on Mass Effect One." Yeah, uh, that's what I was about to say. I think if it was a normal week and I had, uh post-stream time tonight and then Friday night and then Saturday night, I probably would have been done with it. Um, Because I think I'm probably two more long play sessions sessions away from finishing it. Um, I mentioned last week about how there's kind of like those three major quests in the middle. Um, There's actually another one that kind of comes up. Uh, So I did that one as well. And so I have one more main like big picture kind of quest to do before you kind of get to the end of the game so i kind of started slowing down and i've been doing a bunch of the side quests that i wanted to do 
um, that like were either like stories that I remembered or that I thought would be interesting and I wanted to go check them out. Um, so I, like any of the ones that have like a a, a, a plot I'm going and doing um, before I before I wrap up and, and move on to, to Mass Effect 2. Because um, I've actually like really been enjoying my time with, with ME1 and I was wondering... I, you asked me, I think, or maybe it was one of the listeners asked like, what was the one I was most interested in going back mm-hmm. to? And it kind of was Mass Effect 1 because that's the one I always remember as being the worst. And they fixed so many of the fucking problems um, like with pacing and, and mechanics and stuff that were just like, not even things that were like bad or broken as much as they were just choices that were not good. And, you know, they that they learned from in two and three. Uh, and like the game is just so much smoother and like it's, it's, it's more fun to play. So I feel less eager to rush through it and get to two, which is my favorite one. Why, why is two your favorite? Like what is it in two that improves upon one? And why is three not as good as two? Is it just because the story arc in two is, is good? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm not as much of a detractor of three as um, a lot of people are. You know, like, obviously there was the whole... Uh, people didn't like the ending of Mass Effect 3 famously. And I, I think for a lot of people, um, that kind of poisoned the well, you know? And they were like, Mass Effect 3 is bad because I don't like the ending. And is that the I, ending to the whole trilogy that people don't like then? Yes. Um, What's your view on that? Do you like it? Uh, I don't, but I also don't... I don't know. It's It's... I remember getting to it and it was weird because I came to Mass Effect late. Like, I started playing 1 and 2 in the lead-up to 3. So, I was playing 3 when the whole narrative around the ending being bad was kind of, like, hitting its its peak. And I remember going into the ending and being like, what am I going to think? Everybody hates it. Like, uh-oh. And I finished it and was kind of like, oh, that's it? Like, it's not good, but it wasn't... It didn't feel as, like, egregious as people made it out to be either. It just kind of felt like a bit of, like, a... It, like, landed with a thud. And I remember Mm. not feeling bad about it because there's literally a moment right before the ending. Like, literally, it's the last scene before the ending. Um, And I remember thinking it was the end. And I was like, this is great. This is a great ending. And then the last thing happens. And I was like, oh, I don't like this as much. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, it was easy for me to be like, ah, like, that's fine. You know, like, you stumbled at the end of the, the line, but, like, I know how hard it is to end something in a way that feels satisfying. So, like, for me, it was like the whole journey was so good that it's like, eh, if I don't, if I don't like the literally last five minutes of it, that somehow invalidates the last 150 hours that I was totally in love with, like, Yeah, I mean, I can understand that view, though, because there's a TV show called Line of Duty in the UK that I was in love with. I've been watching it for 10 years, and the final seasons just happened, and it was a really bad ending. Like, really bad. They've been, like, alluding that there's this, like, secret character they've been looking for for the last four years. It was someone no one would have guessed. It was just not good. Really bad fit. Didn't work. And I kind of feel that people had that similar view with Game of Thrones as well. Like the final season was 
was meant to be really It was bad. very rushed, and yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, like, I feel that way about Game of Thrones, where, like, the last season is so, like, lazy and, like, rushed and, like, just not good that it does kind of, like, diminish my enthusiasm for the whole. Even though, like, if I rewatched it, I'm sure I would still enjoy, at the very least, the first five or six seasons. Um, however, I feel like with a video game, it's different. Like, because it's not, I don't know. To me, like, the journey was the destination with with Mass Effect, right? Like, what's great about it is the the friends you make along the way, the characters that you interact with, you know, like, the the big moments that you remember, you know, mm-hmm. like to me, it's like the fact that it ends like the way it ends. It's kind of like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else they could have done without de- making a definitive ending. And the fact that you have to honor every player's choices at some point, you know, um, stories like this need to constrict again. They need to come together and end in could a they way have not that's... done like three different endings though, or something to, there, therein lies the controversy. There's not much more I can say about it with because I know there is another like ending you get if you just play the third game, right? Yeah, yeah. There's like there's technically like five endings or six endings to Mass Effect, but 3, that but final like, end end is the the proper ending is the one that's controversial. All right, okay. Well, I'll see when I get there if I ever get you will. there. We'll see. Um, I'm excited to play it too because they actually did a update to the ending after the controversy that added a bunch of like scenes at the end that add context to it um, that a lot of people felt like addressed some of the issues. So I'm excited to re-experience the ending and see how I feel about it. Um, but the reason Mass Effect 2 is my favorite is I think I think it has the best cast of companions for the most part. Um, most of my favorite companions are in that one. And there's only one character who I think, two characters who I think are all-time great companions that are not in it. Um, And the story is a little bit, it's interesting because the first Mass Effect has like a very, it has a much smaller story because it's like the opening of it. Like it's like what you think is the big thing at the end of Mass Effect, you realize is like, oh my God, this is only a drop in the bucket. Like, oh fuck. Um, and that's kind of how you're supposed to feel like walking away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like two is a is a way more like you have a mission from the beginning and you you build towards it very naturally. Whereas like with the, with Mass Effect, you kind of like are discovering what what you're actually pursuing as you go. Like it's more of a mystery that unfolds, which is good. Uh, but two is like very like okay, I have this goal. I need to go. I need to build a team. I'm gonna go get some of my old team back. I'm gonna find some new people, and we're gonna go off on this mission and do this mission. And like it's it it just plays out so cleanly. Um, and then three is very much like, this is the culmination of the series and it feels so grandiose and so heavy, um, that there's not as much space for like levity and lightness, which is a really fun thing about Mass Effect 2 is that like the stakes are high, but like the clock isn't ticking as much. So like your Mm -hmm. characters have more time to like relax and have fun. Whereas like the entirety of Mass Effect 3, it feels like, oh my god, fuck, the sky is falling. Like, what are we gonna do? You know? So I guess 
Mass Effect 3, you don't really... F- I mean, I wonder if you play them in quick succession, you'd feel that way. Like, you'll have spent the time with them in Mass Effect 2, you'll have got to know them, so, like, do you really care about any of that by the time you've reached Mass Effect 3? Uh, if you see it as one piece... Going That's how I played through. it originally, actually. Right, okay. Well, mostly. Like, I, I played Mass Effect 1 in, like, spurts, but then I got back into it and finished it and then played 2 and then played 3. Okay. Well, I mean, ignore me then if that's the case, because I kind of felt, felt it kind of feels a little bit like a movie, isn't it? You know, it, like a very, very long movie, but it's act one, act two, act three. And I guess act two is in the middle. You kind of slower pace reaching the goal. And then act three is like, you know, rushing to the finale of the movie. Yeah, it kind of feels like when you're like watching a TV show and it's like the first game is like uh, we're under we're trying to figure out what Mass Effect is and two it's like we get it here like here's what mm-hmm. it is we're firing on all cylinders and then three is kind of like having the fucking Herculean task of landing this insane plane that they built after they took off you know what I mean like it's I, yeah, I get that like maybe Mass Effect one would have gone through like uh you know, from Mass Effect 1, it's like The Office Series 1, where they rewrite a few characters, make tidy things up, realize where the series actually is in, in Season 2. And I guess maybe Mass Effect 3 is sort of like when the stu- the the network said, you can have a final season, but, you know, you've only got 16 episodes this time instead of 20. <laughs> and it's like, you've really got to yeah. rush through to cram everything in as much as possible. And it's like, I don't know. I don't feel like it's that much of a one-to-one because I don't think that, like Mass like, Mass Effect 3 is not weak in my opinion ex- excluding the end it's just i think it it has more on its shoulders you know like it it has to it has to do things that one and two aren't responsible to do and like i think there are times where it kind of like doesn't crumble under the weight of that pressure but it stumbles under it you know mm-hmm. where it's like you know when you have to make every it's like this is the big insane finale of the greatest video game trilogy of all time like what you know what i mean like whereas like two it's able to just like be a super competent story and like that's all it needs to do you know do you still feel like this is the greatest video game trilogy of all time yes absolutely wow um at least at least from a story perspective if you're talking about you know like maybe like pure gameplay or whatever i think there's an argument for for something else um like, you know, I'm thinking is... though, if you check, if they do a Last of Us three, that's probably gonna be, it's probably gonna be my one. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Like, I don't. I know. don't want them to make another game. If I'm perfectly. Honest. I don't really either. You know, um, they, and they could, but I don't know. I think, I think for me, uh, Mass Effect is, and you know, I love, I love, uh, The Last of Us. I like, mm-hmm. I like them both quite a bit. Um, I think Mass Effect is like it's just more my kind of game. Like I, I the choices. I mean, we've spoken about this many times. You know, it's the you drive the narrative rather than you're on rails and watching a movie. And you know, you have been reading Press Reset. It's like they talk about in the first chapter, uh, Warren Spector, like the whole like chasing the promise well, yeah, of I mean, Dungeons uh, and Dragons. I, you know. I mean, I imagine by, like Mass Effect was heavily inspired by like a Deus Ex that the Warren Spector sure. was working on. Yeah, totally. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, to me, like those are the games that are the most special that like let you take ownership over them, you know? And it's I don't get me wrong, I think it's cool that that Naughty Dog doesn't do that. Like that they're like, no, like we wanna create characters and tell you a story and like this is our story and like you're coming along for the ride. Like I, that's great. Don't get me wrong. I fuck with that. But there's something I think the reason that fans of like Mass Effect and Dragon Age and and games like it are so devoted and so loyal and fall in love with it so much is because you're allowed to express yourself. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I've read a lot of good writing about like people who were like, oh, you know, like uh, like playing a game like Mass Effect or Dragon Age or something like that, like, you know, um, like helped me like uh, like come out, you know, because I was able to like explore feelings that I didn't have another safe place to explore, you know, and like things like that. And like, I don't know, I just I like games that allow you to put some of yourself in it, you know, and and feel like. Um, like this is your adventure that you're going on, not just, you know, oh, like you remember that part of, part of the game? How great was that? You know, like that's cool and everything, but that's a little bit more like a movie or a book or a TV show or whatever. Whereas like it, what's fun about Mass Effect is, is less like you remember this part and being like, oh, what did you do? Who did you fall in love with? Do you know, like, yeah, I, I'm excited to to do that, like to go through the choice with you and like figure out like what was different. I, I guess the closest game I can say I've I've played to something like this is um, something like Heavy Rain, where there sure. are those yeah. choices that you know have an effect. They have a cause and effect because most games you make the choice and it's like you get into the next part anyway regardless of what you've picked it's it's going down one route and uh, and it's very unusual to have something that has that actual effect uh, i would imagine um disco was like it as well you know yeah obviously multiple yeah. ways to to go with that and that feels like a, a definitely you can see the lineage from like a a, a bioware or a, a, a black isle game into yeah. disco elysium sure yeah and, and and they all come to that back to the pen and paper stuff you know um but yeah, I think what's so cool about like what Bioware does is like it's got that flavor to it, but it is like with the, you know, veneer and execution of like a AAA game, you know, and that like you have this feeling of grandiosity a little bit to it. Um, which I wonder is really if they're cool. still like that though. You know, people always say like Bioware are like this. When was the last time they put a game out like this? You know, look at their last games, uh, Andromeda and Anthem. It's like, it's been a while since we had something good come out of that studio. Yeah, and I mean, who's to say? Who's to say? You know, there's a chance we won't see that again. But, I don't know. The Reading about some of the, like, the team that is working on this game, and it's like some of the veterans plus a bunch of new people that love the trilogy, like... I don't think you. That's need what the you same. need, you know. You yeah. don't need the same. Like, look at what Valve did. They got they brought some of the Camposanto team in. They brought back some of the writers from Half Life, and they made a new Half Life game that people loved. Unfortunately for me, I haven't been able to experience it because I don't have a VR setup. But right. it's seemingly an incredible game, and and hopefully Bio Bioware can do that again for the the new Dragon Age that I know you're excited for. I hope so. And I mean, they teased a new Mass Effect that looks to continue the trilogy. So my oh, yeah, I saw that. Wait, they just like writing out 
Andromeda, just pretending that didn't happen. They, uh, they basically they put out a comic or something that like is like the con- like the continuation of that story. So like it happened canonically and everything. They're just not going to continue to explore it. Like I wouldn't be surprised if that came up in a future game or something. But I think they're going to kind of just like silo it off. Which I mean, to be fair, the whole premise of that is that they sent a ship to another galaxy. Um, and that they might never come back. So you could easily just be like, oh, they all died. Oh, and they didn't come back, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> it would be um, cool, though, if they had it, like a little tidbit in a future game, like maybe quite far into the future, like a historical thing or like a piece of news. It's just like, you know, it went. We've never heard of them ever again, that kind of thing. Yeah. But if they yeah. could tie it in some way, it would be cool. I'm sure they will. Um, But yeah, so my my guess is that you know, between the rumors that we've read about like EA wanting to go back and do more first person or not first person, like single player games um, after the success of, you know, Jedi and, you know, um, there's an article that, you know, we, we read this week that didn't quite make the cut for the news about uh, uh, Laura Miel who, like, is, um, you know, a really powerful person at EA who's, like, wants to change the narrative there. Steve, you called out about how at their their EA play, like, this year they're bringing back the old-school logos and everything. I don't know. I feel like we might be seeing, like, EA trying to tap into their their legacy and their history and maybe try to, like, you know, um, have this kind of, like, at a return to form or whatever. Uh, I hope so. It really feels like they're having a bit of a renaissance at the moment. But I would like to also see them... Go back a little bit more um, to like experimentation with different things and stop getting stuck in a rut. It feels like we saw a lot of the same games from them, yeah. Um, and like, stop chasing the the kind of latest and greatest thing. Like you know, the fad and the trend of the time. It was like Anthem was just a hundred percent a reaction to Destiny, and it didn't work. We didn't we didn't need two Destinies. You've right. got to come up with the next thing and and i think that they they could do it and and i well and i think sometimes the next thing is the last thing yeah it's right like, which uh, is like look at god of how war how long ago yeah well yeah exactly and how long ago was it that we had a like we've just said uh, a game like a mass effect we haven't had it in a long time people were obviously itching for it yeah so why and not you go can, back to something like that yeah, and it's like you look at like my Twitter mentions right now. Like anybody who's playing Mass Effect, they're like, "Oh my god!" Like it's so nostalgic. Like I'm so happy to be back in this. And nobody's like, "Oh, this game feels old in a bad way." It's more like, "Man, remember when they made games like this? I miss mm. it." Um, and I know I'm not the only person that feels that way. So the idea of like this team being like, "Hey, our first project as new Bioware is recreating our best trilogy and then making a new game." Like, fuck yeah. Like, let's do it, man. Like, please, please come out with a Mass Effect 4. That's great, you know? That is as good as the original trilogy. There's no reason that you can't do it. Like, I don't think it's like, a, oh, they like, like, it was lightning in a bottle and you can't ever repeat it. Like, I think it's just that kind of game fell out of favor. And it, did, it, yeah, it was, it, it, it went through the cycle of we're doing games like Naughty Dog and the, the fixed narrative is what we're doing. And then it was like open world was the latest thing where you just go around doing adventures and there's no real like choices to make. I, I, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I, I, 
I feel like we can get we can get back to it. And you, we've seen this week that they're opening a new studio, which is good news. It's they're working on a new open world adventure game. Uh, hopefully, which, again, it's going to be a single player thing, right? Which is like, oh, that's mm-hmm. exciting that they're like maybe that they're committing to that. Um, but also, uh, aside from all those things that you just talked about, I think the thing that like is a market reality that maybe we don't think about as much is that uh, Jason mentions this in um, in in press reset that uh, GameStop was a huge contributor to to the you know quote unquote death of single player AAA games because. They were a huge gut to sales. The reselling, you know, selling your game back to games, uh, GameStop, and they sell it to somebody for fifty bucks, brand new, you know, brand new, rather than your sealed copy that actually gives EA a cut. Whereas now, most people are on digital, and even more are on digital now after twenty twenty. That like, you know, yeah, maybe you buy the game on sale or you get it on Game Pass or whatever, but like, they get their money one way or the other. Not like you know. GameStop who's just pocketing it like and they never see they don't see that cut you know um so I think all of those things are like factors that could lead to this kind of game I, I gotta say though like part of me wishes there was a way to share games so we've got a question that I'll, I will bring up from yeah. Brandy in the mail part which was like piracy and password sharing are hurting big companies which has been in the TV news lately it's a conversation that's always going on in the game space what game series would you have never gotten into without borrowing a copy from a friend or downloading from the internet? For example, I would have never given Capcom the amount of money I have for Ace Attorney games, if not for emulation. Wish you both the best, Brandy. Like, you can't share games anymore if it's digital. I used to constantly, like, swap games with friends and, like, share. And and you would learn so much from from doing that and and find out what tastes you you had like and and even piracy i'd never played a pokemon game in my life until i pirated pokemon uh red i think it was fire red and played it on a, a gba emulator yeah um so to answer brendy's question i guess before you know tying it into what you were just talking about uh mass effect actually <laughs> Uh, is one I borrowed Mass Effect one from. Um, if you're a regular, uh, uh, con- you know, visitor of our Twitch uh, streams on Thursday nights, uh, Relic Vampire, who's in the chat a lot, is a long, long time friend of mine, and um, he loaned me, I think Mass Effect one and two, and then I bought three myself. Um. So yeah, I mean that was a series that I I got into that way secondhand, uh, probably mm. a lot that I don't even remember, you know. Um, cause it was, that was so common back in the day. You would trade games. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was the thing to do. Cause you yeah. would only really be playing one game at a time cause they would cost so much. And then mm-hmm. you would just, you would just share them. Um, GTA three is another one that's comes to mind. My mom would not let me buy GTA. Uh, she was dead against it. And my friend like sneakily lent me his copy at school. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what I swapped for, for, and I remember playing that, um, without my mum knowing and then she heard me like playing it and she was not happy she took off me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember my my parents uh caught basically caught me and, and a friend playing that once we're like what the fuck is this like holy shit like no this isn't cool and then i would yeah. just go play it at their house and you know it's like we just wouldn't play it at my house anymore mm-hmm. um but yeah uh in terms of like it hurting, you know, big companies or whatever. I mean, the reality is that it does, 
right? Like that, not to be the unpopular opinion person, but like you borrowing that game means that they didn't get that sale, right? And if every person who um, borrowed or bought a secondhand game bought a game, bought that same copy new, right? Like you could argue that maybe some studios that we like wouldn't have closed down, whatever, I whatever. Never like, that. Having Rena through Jason's book, that's not the argument I would make for like shooting shutting down. It's always mismanagement. And that's the biggest often, takeaway I'm taking from that. More often than not, yeah. But like there are definitely like, you know, you look at like a game like uh there's like the mythic chapter with like Dead Space, right? And it's I like got that, yeah, yeah. when you get there, right, the whole problem was that Dead Space sold more and more every generation but it, w- it wasn't enough and it just like never became en- enough of a big thing for them to keep it going and it's like you could make that argument if GameStop didn't exist maybe it sells another million copies and and you know then maybe that's enough you know and then like maybe that's a poor but, argument you've also got to wonder like this is a brand new franchise how many people bought that first game second hand that were then so into the second series that it did sell more next year in the second and, sequel and like you can look at like Mass Effect, right? And like that was a thing for me. Like I was a sale on Mass Effect three that hadn't been on one and two, and you know. Um, but you could make the argument, right, that like in today t- today times, right? If that was the case, if Mass Effect three was coming out, you know, in a, in a month or two, and I had decided I really wanted to catch up, I'd have had to buy it, right? And that would be a sale that they would have mm-hmm. gotten. And maybe I get it on sale, and it's like ten dollars now, um, but that's still money that they see. Um, and, and, and I'm not even like necessarily making that argument. I only bring that up to say that that is a, a, is a phenomenon that has kind of changed, right? Like the traditional wisdom is that when a game comes out, it sells almost all of its copies right up front. And then it pretty much doesn't ever like, you know, that's kind of it, right? Like that's the life of the game. Um, and it might get some sales here and there from then on, but whatever. Whereas I feel like now with like, you know, the more centralized marketplace and everything, like you do see games have a second and a third life and, you know, and, and continue to make money um, over a longer period of time. And that's something that, you know, you'll read about in the book, too. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of indie devs experience that where it's like, oh, the game wasn't yeah, I mean, a big I, hit. I know, but... especially when like the Switch came out, a lot of indie devs had a, a massive like, yeah. influx of people coming in i'm i'm curious about what your thoughts are on like password sharing though like everyone does it i share a oh, netflix yeah. account everyone shares a netflix account no one no one doesn't i mean my my opinion on it is like there's nothing wrong with it Do but you think it's, it's hurting it, people complain? yeah i mean it does though like it materially does i don't think there's any way you can make an argument that it doesn't if you didn't share a netflix password with someone and they had to buy their own access to netflix or not use the service like that you know i think that's more likely the scenario than not is people just wouldn't use it i don't think many people would lose sales mm, in i don't terms know of I, like in terms I, of of uh, on Netflix subscriptions, I don't think it would be one to one, but I I don't I don't agree with that necessarily. I don't think that everybody who borrows a Netflix password is unwilling to pay for Netflix. I think no, that's if, true. But I really do wish Netflix would just make a family plan. I agree. If they want to go legit, do what Spotify did, make it so you pay more per month and or you Nintendo can share it. Yeah, or Nintendo. The the last point on Brandy's question though about the piracy stuff. <laughs> I've said before on the show we had a chipped PS1 that's how I got all of my PlayStation games and that is how 
I got into video games at all, like we wouldn't have been able to afford PlayStation games or, or yeah. be able to buy new games all the time. That was the only way that we were able to. And um, now I give thousands of pounds of my money to these game companies every yeah, year. <laughs> so there's plenty. <laughs> Any franchise you ever played on PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... I I I know you have things to say about Tomb Raider and press reset, oh, but fuck you'll it, don't worry. you'll have more to say next time. week. So let's yeah. jump into the news because uh, we just riffed for like forty five minutes. <laughs> so uh, jumping into the news, our first piece is um, a bit of controversy on the Nintendo side of things. So uh, as we know, Skyward Sword HD is coming to Switch uh, later this year. And there was uh, an announcement uh, earlier today, as of this recording, um, I'm sorry, yesterday, uh, that there is a Amiibo that's coming out uh, for $25, which is expensive for an Amiibo, um, but it is one of those like plus-sized ones. Like If you uh, remember from the uh, Breath of the Wild uh. set. There was like the Guardian one that was yeah, like I have that big. One. It's great. And yeah, I've got that one too. And like and that cost the, extra money. The, the Wooly Yoshi was the one I always wanted. I have that as well. Oh. Um, you can actually see him right behind me here if you're watching the video and I have the blue one right there. Oh, it's so cute. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, so 25 bucks, but it is an oversized one and it's Zelda with um, the uh, Loftwing, like the bird that you that, that, that you fly around in, in Skyward Sword. Um, and the controversy wasn't about the figure or its cost. It was that, um, the, <laughs> the only way to access the game's fast travel feature will be through using this amiibo. So essentially what Nintendo has done here is lock, you know, a key, uh, what someone argue is a key gameplay feature in a fast travel system behind a $25 amiibo. For a game that people are already feeling a little bit um, stiff about in terms of the price, you know, mm. there was a lot of controversy when this was announced that this was going to be a $60 game. Um, so I guess, Steve, what do you what do you think about this? Well, I, I like the the statue. I think it looks cool. And I can see this I being love like the a, a, a model. Um, yeah. it's really cute but yeah locking features behind essentially a paywall sucks and and it really should have been eradicated years ago we shouldn't be doing this kind of crappy feature um, but having said that this is a it's something that wasn't in the original game fast travel so it's an addition and I get that that edition should be in a game that's $60 and is a remaster and there's a bunch of other additions to this game that weren't in the original game, like the fact that you don't have to use motion controls. Um, yeah, it's it's crap. Um, I really hope that Nintendo either clarifies their position or like says that, you know, we, we fucked up, we'll do, we'll do a patch and you can access it without having to use the Amiibo. But as of now, this is the only will. Amiibo compatible with the game. So you have to buy this Amiibo in order to unlock this feature. It's not like if you have any other existing Zelda Amiibo, you can use it 
and it unlocks the feature you have to pay this additional $25, which makes your $60 game $85. And that's a very big price tag for a game that's from, like, what, 2006? I'll tell you what. uh, The announcement of this makes me not want to buy the game because I was already kind of on the fence about buying the game, but I definitely want the Amiibo. So I'm like, I'm just going to buy the Amiibo and probably not play the game. Yeah, do that. I mean, the Amiibo's cool. <laughs> I really like it. It's really nice. It's a really nice figure. It looks nicer than the game looks, in my opinion. That game just looks oh woof. No. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, um, yeah, I I guess just to clarify my thoughts, like I this is a shitty predatory thing from Nintendo. I'm disappointed, um, but not surprised. They do stuff like this all the time. So, well, you mean like you know the Mario collection just disappearing. Yeah, take your pick. Man. Uh so I think I, I think I hate that more. Like Mario 35 just gone forever. We had this really good cool mm-hmm. game that everyone loved and now you can never play it ever again because they wanted to just have it as a limited time thing. I definitely think that's worse, but like yeah, whatever. Like this is I this is one of those things where like normally when people are like outraged about this kind of thing, I'm like, "All right, guys, like relax, like, you know, like it sucks, but I get it. This is just like, come on, man. This is a bad look, in my opinion. This is real, kind of like, it's like, and it's a twenty-five dollar amiibo, no less. Like, like if it worked with any amiibo, it was just like you. If have it worked to have with any amiibo. Zelda amiibo, that would be way more acceptable. It would still be predatory and and shitty, but it would be way way easier to justify. This is like kind of like, come on, dude. Like, what if you don't want an amiibo? <laughs> you just want to use people it. don't yeah right like uh, so uh moving right along uh this next one comes from a tweet that i made comes earlier from this you week. comes from live pete it does uh so earlier this week uh twitter user rolling soul diver uh at hb john juandao um on on twitter um tweeted tweeted a few pictures uh that were pulled from uh it's the united states securities and exchange commission it's like the annual report for activision blizzard it's publicly available information and uh they captioned it um god fuck you activision blizzard i hate you motherfuckers so much and the reason for that um i'm gonna say i would say uh, i would say pretty justified statement uh, is if you take a look here, um, they have essentially a a kind of explanation for how how the budget broke down. And the quote that I'll pull here, it says, the decrease in, re- in net revenues from retail channels for 2020 as compared to 2019 was primarily due to lower revenues from Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which was released in November 2020 as compared to Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, which was released in March 2019. The decrease was partially offset by higher revenues from Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, which released in October 2020, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2, which was released in September 2020. So. But, right, before you go off on one, I want to bring your attention to the previous image that was posted, the consolidated results, net yep. revenues by distribution channel, digital online, 6.6 6 billion, 
Retail channels, 741 million. So the digital sales significantly outweigh. It's only the retail channels where they're saying that Call of Duty didn't sell as well. But if you read the the last section of digital online channels, Call of Duty Modern Warfare sold, like there was higher revenues from those games than previous years online. So it's just that very oh, small section. It's mm. that it's like digi- it's like boxed copies of those games that sold better than Call of Duty because most people bought Call of Duty digitally this year. That makes sense. It still sucks. It's still but, fucking bullshit. No. And that's important context. That's important. That's important to point out. Still. What what I ended up tweeting was, can we can we admit now that Activision is worse than EA? And I think we could have I, admitted that a couple of weeks ago when we had Bobby Kotick's like contract reevaluated and it's like even the shareholders were angry with him for taking so much money. Yeah, I think you're right. But I just gotta, I just gotta, I gotta circle back to this just at least this once time, this one time, because it, it's really frustrating. And, and I, I'm interested to see if you feel more viscerally about it. Um, as you get further through Jason's book, cause like, it's really hard for me to I not know, think. I of- know I will be more irritated by it. I, just like I, reading that first one and like how the the whole fucking epic Mickey thing. You yeah, know, it was. It's just that, and then they just like we're just oh, the studio's closed. <laughs> and like that's that's like literally what they what Activision did to these teams. They they put out these extremely successful games that offset losses that their <laughs> flagship fucking property had made. And and their reward is to be like, cool, say goodbye to your creative autonomy. Like, it's just, it's extremely disappointing. Um, but like 6.6 billion from digital, and you've got to imagine most of that is what, World of Warcraft and probably Call of Duty Warzone at this point. Yeah, probably probably specifically those two, because WoW had a new expansion that came mm-hmm. out recently too, um, which is always like, you look at World of Warcraft revenue and like that's their fucking model. They put out the thing, it spikes for a couple months and then they it tapers off until the next, you know, content drop or whatever. Um and you know, you got to imagine um I'm sure Warzone is making money hand over fist. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a reason these studios are just constantly working on Warzone assets. I mean, it came out today, you know, all the Warzone stuff they're adding for John McClane from Die Hard and Rambo's being added. To get them all is £35 to like just buy those things. It's just like, and people will pay for it. Oh, yeah, of course I will. And, like, why wouldn't you, though, right? Like, if you play that game every day, like, if that's your main game yeah. and, like, it's free, like, why wouldn't you buy s- content for it, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's why the model works. Um, I, I, I'm willing to bet that that's where most of that digital revenue came from is probably those two sources. Yes, I mean it's a thirty-five percent increase over twenty nineteen. So you can you can imagine it's from those games. Yeah. So anyway, um, it's you know it's business as usual, but it's disappointing. And uh, ah. I think if it, I think the way the tweet context it though, it really just like 
glosses over the fact that they made almost seven billion from digital sales. Yeah, and I the mean, retail they, is such a small portion. They do follow up. Um, they have like kind of like a few more tweets that explains it a little bit, but like it's yeah, it's it's definitely like they're reacting to that bit. And like to your point, there's a broader context, but it's also hard to not look at that and still get mad, you know? Because oh, yeah, like, 100%, yeah, but like, I also got to think like this is coming up to the Christmas. It's like October. This is the financials that ends December thirty first. People are probably buying Crash Bandicoot and Tony Hawk's for people for Christmas because they know they played those games when they were kids, and you know, buying them for them when they're adults is that bit of nostalgia. But I'm surprised that Call of Duty sold so poorly because that's like the one that sells every year. It was like that pinnacle. It's like everyone gets FIFA and everyone gets Call of Duty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I, I, I think that's the thing, right? Like the, the context that they have here, right? The, the second um, I'll just read the second tweet. It says, OK, let me explain. Since people can't read revenue reports, digital profits in 2020 were high because Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, microtransactions held strong. This is this led to an overall increase in profits from 2019. Retail sales were way down for various reasons. And that's that's the context, right? It's like, yeah, Activision was more profitable, but they also put out a free-to-play uh, game that makes a ton of money in microtransactions. So, like, sure, mm-hmm. great. That doesn't, you know... Like, if, if Crash Bandicoot and Tony Hawk didn't come out this year, their retail numbers would have been through the floor, you know? Um, well, and you can, you can see why. I mean, it was the pandemic. No one went out to buy games. No, but I mean, like, you... I still bought games from retailers, you know, like, like Amazon, I bought, I guess, yeah, yeah, right. Or, or like I bought, uh, I bought Crash Bandicoot from Target because it was on. I got it on sale, and I was like, oh, cool, I want that. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's a, uh, that's a thing um, that I just think is worth pointing out. It's 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 a shame. Um, so while we're on the subject of Tony Hawk, uh, as everyone will remember, last year. We got the reveal of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake at the Summer Game Fest. Well, as luck like would the, have it. It's like the only reveal I remember from the Summer yeah. Game Fest last year. That's because like, it was the best one. none of the others I remember. Yeah, that's true. Wow, uh, I just opened the website and I'm like, pink. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to... As luck would have it, the the entire um, well, not the entire, but the preliminary list for Summer Games Fest 2021 uh, has been revealed this week. So uh, right now, there are only four events on the calendar, all of which are in June. Uh, on tenth, we have the kickoff, which is going to be Jeff Keighley uh, with a world premiere showcase, a performance by Weezer, Day of the Devs, and more. Uh, we've got Ubisoft Forward on June twelfth. Um, then we have Steam Next Fest, which I guess is Steam throwing their hat in the presentation ring, which is very interesting. It says six days, hundreds of demos. Oh wait, no, that's their big demo thing they do every year. Yeah, that is, they let you download all the games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a thing. I guess I just didn't recognize the branding. Uh, and then EA Play Live is July twenty uh, second. So sorry, that one's not in June. Do you um, feel like they're sort of just chucking all these events under the Summer Game Fest moniker, but it's really nothing to do with the Summer Games Fest? Like, do you ever feel like these events would have just happened if Summer Games Fest wasn't a thing? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is they would. 
But that's like what Summer Games Fest is trying to be, I think. Is like so strange to me. Like, isn't that what E3 is? Like, everyone does their own presentation there. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Is like Jeff Keighley and and the ESA broke up. Mm. Jeff Keighley was the you know creative mind behind E3 for many of the last couple of years, and he broke off to do his own thing. And you see how many of these publishers and and you know um and and you know just game makers, right? have broken away from the ESA and don't want to work with them, but know Jeff and and have a working relationship with Jeff. And it costs nothing to probably be a part of, I'm I'm saying that I might be speaking out of turn. I don't know if maybe Jeff does require a cut or something, but we know how much it costs to to be. I think there is. Well, I I, I vaguely remember that there was a cost for that came out for being at the game awards from one of the indie devs said that if you want to highlight your game at the indie game awards so i would imagine summer game fest's big presentation is the same thing to cover the costs of it sure i am excited to see what's at that um that, that the live world one. premiere because in the his tweet where he announced it you know the, the partners were all in there and it's the one in particular that really stood out to me was PlayStation, and I would love to see if they are there presenting something, because obviously they've not been at E3 for, this must be like yeah, the fourth, third or fourth year now. I think this will be the third year, yeah. Uh, it'd be great to see something new from them. The only, really the only major name that's missing from the the roster is Nintendo. From the Summer Games Fest? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, Xbox I mean, is it's there. like, Xbox is here, you've got PlayStation, you've got Sega, you've got Bandai Namco, Steam, Square, Ubisoft, Warner Brothers, Riot, uh, Epic, EA, 2K, Activision. (laughs) I do like how they have uh, Amazon Games and then Prime Gaming as two different ones, and like Activision and Blizzard are two different ones, and like (laughs) yeah, and then Epic and Mediatonic and (laughs) Psyonix—they're all the same. And Epic, yeah, Uh, it's like all right, maybe you're trying to stuff the the box a little bit here. But you look at this—it's it's it's better—it's a better, arguably a better list than uh, than E3. So I mean, I don't know. It's the thing, right? Like we know how much it costs to be a part of E3. Like it's famously expensive so even if jeff is charging but it's a lot less like kind of behooves these organizations to be a part of it because yeah maybe your event was going to happen anyway but like does ubisoft forward does that have as much brand recognition does that get as much viewership or whatever like summer games fest is a thing now and now you can be a part of that marketing Mm -hmm. machine and be a part of it and get the promo and do your own thing but also get support from jeff and his you know his sphere of influence yeah that makes sense i think my issue with it last year was i never knew when anything was happening so i'm pretty glad to see there is uh like a clear schedule like a hub yeah but yeah. last year it was very much like follow jeff on twitter oh i've got tony hawks coming on my show tomorrow and it's like oh okay no like, fuck, knew like, that was happening yeah it would be great <laughs> to have known yesterday so i could like yeah. get ready and schedule you know being available and all that kind of stuff yeah um so you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to see how it plays out this time around. I thought last year was it was definitely a mixed bag. Um, and to your point, like I really didn't feel like it felt as significant as E3. Whereas I think this year it's going to feel a lot more like an E3 competitor. So I'm interested to see how that how that shakes out. 
So, <laughs> really, really weird piece of news this week that I am really stoked for. Um, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot to chew on yet, but um, it goes a little something like this: Time Splitters is coming back, and it's coming back in a super weird roundabout way, and I'm fucking here for it. So, uh, Deep Deep Silver has announced that the disbanded studio. Free Radical Design uh, has reformed and is going to be making a new, a new fucking Time Splitters game. Which wow, I don't just up the road from me in Nottingham as well. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's just super weird. Like I've never heard of like I don't I can't, I can't remember this ever happening. Where, like a studio that was closed is like we're getting the band back together. We're gonna make no, all the times. Yeah, no. it's weird as they hell. Usually- they usually just go and make a new one. <laughs> yeah, or like, like a, yeah, you we know, start a new studio. It's a new studio with some of the old people or whatever, right? But it's like, yeah, it's super weird. Um, I kind of feel like that's what this is, but they're just rewording it differently. Yeah, probably like, a little I bit. I know there's key original members include founder Steve Ellis and David Doak, which is great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know, and it's, it says that this highly respected team has a 22 year heritage of making AAA products, so. Um, but I don't know, like the fact that like the co-founders are back and mm-hmm. being like, we're reforming our studio to make this game is unique. Like, obviously it's not the same team, but like having the same creative leads, the co-founders come back and revive the brand just to, to revive this brand is like super, it's super interesting. It's super interesting. I, I truly can't think of anything else like this ever happening. Um, no, me neither. And Time Splitters is super fun. So uh, I've never this, played it. Like, how 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 do they play? It's a light gun game. A light gun game. Yeah. Oh. I wonder how you they're know, gonna work now, man. I don't know. That's gonna be the interesting thing. I think. Mm. Um. It's gonna be very interesting. I'm excited to see what happens. Like, yeah, this is the first time I've I've ever heard of a studio uh, come in. Like back from the dead, and um, I know this is a beloved franchise by many. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's it's one that like I was never like uh like super super big into, but like I had a friend that was like a really big fan. Um, so it was oh, like yeah. kind of like a game I always got my hands on, you know. Um, but yeah, just the whole the whole narrative around it, I think, is just super interesting. So yeah, you, you go go get it. You go get it, uh, Free Radical. Welcome back. <laughs> All right, so uh, we got a few quick updates on the um, the Apple Epic uh, lawsuit, you know, because obviously, like, it's just like video game <laughs> news headlines are spinning out of this thing left and right every other day. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to let you take this over, Steve, cause I know you pulled these, you had a few that you thought were super interesting and you wanted to pull to the table. Uh, so yeah. take it so away. The, the mo- a couple of these relate to Xboxes and Microsoft's deposition. Um, Nintendo contacted the court this week. This is reported by Steven Totillo over at Axios Gaming, uh, who dug these out from the, uh, 
from the depositions and said that this executive's deposition in Epic versus Apple reflect competitively sensitive information about negotiations between Nintendo and Microsoft, and she was primarily deposed about trying to bring xCloud to iOS. So I'm very, very excited that this could potentially mean xCloud on Nintendo Switch. It could. Or... No, it does. We know it does, Pete. Or it could mean that they had negotiations about it, but they stalled out. I don't think so with the switch on Phil Spencer's shelf every two seconds and like popping up an Xbox like live event. Who's to say? Where there's smoke, there's fire, Pete. And you you know, it's on my predictions list. So that's my risky pick. you're you're (laughs) You're not wrong. You're not wrong. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And then the other one was one I I think I missed last week when I was digging through them. And it's this it's this like newsletter I think they distribute that's like a, a PowerPoint presentation. The executive portfolio update to something called the GGPD portfolio team. And in this is a internal review from Microsoft on Sony's The Last of Us Part Two. And it like lays out like the Metacritic score, the sales results that it had. But there is an actual review from someone who has played the game and and just like has thoughts on it. And it's a really great review in my eyes. But it's so blunt. Because nobody outside of the company is reading this review, and presumably it's for Microsoft to figure out should we make a game that's like this. Uh, I loved I loved this line from it, which was, uh, that said, Naughty Dog still can't seem to make decent gun combat in any of their games. And this one any is, is no exception. Which I, <laughs> yeah, which I, any I is like, underlined. Damn, all right. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> so I'd funny. love to know who wrote it. I'm like, what a cool job this would be. Just like getting to play games. And I'd imagine you get paid the big bucks at Microsoft on the executive team to write these reviews for the ex- executives who can't bother to play video games or don't have time themselves to play them and gets the knowledge of like, this game came out. Here's what it is. Here's a good review of it. You can then go talk to people about video games. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's like, it's one of those things where it's like you would assume that. Right. You would know that, like, what's happening. Yeah, that like, yeah, PlayStation and and Microsoft and Nintendo are looking at what each other do and are like, could we do this? Could we do that? Like, is this something we should be looking at? Whatever. Like, but to see it in black and white is like very interesting of like, holy shit, like, really? Like, you're passing around internal reviews of your competitor software? (laughs) Like, that's fascinating. And I don't know, it's, it's so funny just because, and like, obviously that, you know, all in good fun uh but like you said how blunt that was i thought it was really funny where it's like oh they still haven't managed to make a game with any gunplay and my my fucking smart ass hot take response to that to you was well microsoft hasn't managed to put out a game that anybody cares about in about five or six years so uh checkmate i guess (laughs) i hear the i hear the gunplay in gears 5 is great too bad i'll never play it Oh, <laughs> the gunplay there! Like I was talking about it on Twitter, and I was just like, the gunplay in Naughty Dog's games really isn't great. Like, no, they they hit the nail on the head there. Like, they know 
Absolutely. That's the thing. I'm not saying this as like a Sony pony to defend Naughty Dog. It's more just like, all right, Microsoft, that's a lot of shade from you. And the what's the most successful game from the Xbox One's generation? Sorry. Well, how many how many copies does it sell? <laughs> yeah, but then they'll just say, how much money have we got in the bank? Versus oh, yeah, Sony? They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's also interesting on this. Page eight is um, a bunch of redacted stuff. There's two games from the first quarter of 2021 that has been released. They're just totally redacted, yeah. <laughs> no, but the, the rest of the list, like there must be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11 games on that list, I reckon, based on the, the size of the other ones. Yeah. That are just, we have no idea what they are. From like Q1 of 2021. Yeah, I think it's I think it's got to be like around 10, 10 to, 10 to 12 maybe. I'd love to know what these dates are. Like MLB The Show 21, release date February 2020. It came out later than that, yeah. Like it came out this year. Like was that last February it was due? Like, tell me why August 2020, it was due out then, right? It came out then. It came tell out then, why. yeah. yeah. So, so MLB yeah, The Show was like a year late. Same with Balan Wonderland. That's odd. Man, can you believe that that game was a year late and it's still bad? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can. It's kind of hilarious. Um, Yeah, it's wild. It's really wild. Mm-hmm. And Whoa, then, yeah, oh my f- god yeah and then there was the i forgot about this too there's the they have the competitive console exclusives yeah it's so cool isn't where it? it's they literally just, have, just like, them listing out like here's all the games we need to worry about <laughs> right and there's still some there's still some like more redacted stuff on here like you know astro's playroom was mentioned as a pack-in title during their june ps5 event and marvel Sp- spider-man is the first time they've shown off with new ps5 packaging redacted Obviously, a lot of this is very likely to change, but our best guess is uh, this is our best guess as of July 2020. Crazy. The, the, like, can this just be like, who, how do you get this job where I put together this PowerPoint? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, all of the internal information, you get to play all the other games, and like, oh yeah. my God, what a job. And just be like, here you go, guys. Here's my report on like mm-hmm. the stuff we should be aware of as Xbox. Like that's that would be such a cool gig. Who does this? And then what was it not released? Q three of twenty twenty. Oh, is it just these people at the top? Is it Damon Baker, Mike, Mike Mace, Nick Zoll? Those which? are the portfolio team, yeah. Who who like dishes this? out this update? Yeah. Isn't da- didn't Damon Baker used to work at like IGN? Uh, I don't know. Like I've heard of him, and I can I can picture his face. He joined the Xbox team. Yeah, he 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 was formerly of Nintendo, not um, not huh. of uh, Xbox team. Interesting. There you go. He was the person that was on those uh, indie ones. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew the name was familiar. John Katz. I feel like I recognized too. Um. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, very interesting. Yeah, I'm loving this court case. Sadly, it's over next week, so we're not really going to have any fun more coming <laughs> out of Discovery. But you can believe whatever the result, it's going to get appealed. Either side's going to appeal, so we can expect some more juicy tidbits coming out in for oh, years yeah. and years to come. Oh, yeah. 
All right, cool. So uh, let's jump into the mail pot here uh, before we we wind this one down. Um, we've got uh, a question here from that doc guy, one of our Patreon supporters uh, from the Discord, who wrote in and said, what innovations do you think are going to be in Breath of the Wild 2? Mm-hmm. Love this question. Well, haven't haven't got to talk about Breath of the Wild properly in quite some time. Well, if based on the news this week, I feel like a key feature of the game is going to be locked behind a twenty-five dollar. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, so we've got that to look forward to. Now, I I really don't know. I, I one thing I hope they do is they either expand upon the runes that we got and the skills that we got. With the magnesis and you know the the um, two different types of bombs and the ice towers, I kind of hope we get different ones. I'd love to see like fire instead of ice, and you know maybe use the wind for something instead of magnets. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the innovation I expect to see the most is just like adding tools to the arsenal. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw like some classic like Zelda items maybe come back. Um, like I could see, can you imagine how cool it would be if you had hook shots? Like you mm. could do like the, I'm going to glide and then, oh, like I'm going down, but I want to get back up. So I hook shot to something far away and I get like Spider-Man pulled up and then I can glide again. And like, that would be really cool. Um, you could see how something like that would really impact. Uh, your like you know your 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 movement you know just through the world and that that was such a big part of Breath of the Wild is like the mm-hmm. physics and how you can interact with things so I feel like it's a matter of like hopefully not taking tools away and replacing them but like building on what we already have and like giving us more toys to play with um, so that yeah I just get- wonder how confusing that would get I, I I don't know I kind of think that we'll get we'll get more like you say, rather than taking them away. But there's something about Breath of the Wild's puzzle design that because you've only got these four restrictive skills, it forces you to kind of think. And sometimes there was a couple of ways to solve them, and sometimes there was only one. I feel like if you had a bunch of tools and you could just, like, fire them all at it, it would get quite confusing, and you, you know, you're not restricted in what you can do. I don't think you need to add that many, though. Like there, like you said, there's like four, right? In in the in Breath of the Wild, so like maybe that goes up to six, right? Maybe that goes up yeah. to, you know, I don't know. Maybe even goes to eight, right? You double them, but like, you know, you just you limit their interactions in certain puzzles. So it's like you go in, and you're like, which ones do I need to use, right? Because that's kind of yeah. how they work, right? Is you go into every puzzle and you're like, I know I have the tools to solve this. It's just deciding which ones it is, you know. Oh, I forgot about the stasis. That's the one I didn't like the most, the stasis. I, I like using it in combat it. more. Like, I, I, I always loved, like, um, like when the Bokoblins are riding it and you freeze oh, yeah. them and the horse keeps running. Like, that's always, like, shit, like, that's funny. <laughs> um, or, like, you know, freezing, like, a rock and hitting the shit out of it and then just, pu- like, pummeling it through people. Like, shit like that. Yeah, that funny. one's always fun. I, I, I also think a lot of people, and I know you probably count yourself in with this as well, want a kind of return to the traditional dungeons i know you said there's something you missed when we were playing ocarina of time was like man i really just miss going through these dungeons and 
I'm kind of coming around to that. Having played Tomb Raider, where there's these like secret tombs, optional tombs you can solve. They're like puzzles and you go through. And then it reminded me of, and obviously Horizon was heavily inspired by them, the the sort of like factories you would go into where they would be making the the robots. I'd love to see something like that where it's a more expansive, multiple puzzles to solve. You get through that aren't just like the the divine beasts. It yeah, is just- like more dungeoneering. You know, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, like this triggers this and this like, oh, I found this, but I know I'm going to need to come back here when I get this other thing. Like, yeah, I would I would like to see them pepper those in. Like, I feel like rather than the divine beasts, if you had like the same map even, um, but it's a couple years later and some stuff's changed and like you find like, you know, seven ancient temples that you need to go through or whatever. And like not necessarily getting rid of the flow of Breath of the Wild, but just like peppering that back in, I think would be. Yeah, and I think you can do that rather than having divine beasts. Like you say, have like the seven temples you go to. Maybe you have to acquire items or something or unlock them from there so you can get to the final place where you probably defeat Ganon once again. Sure. (laughs) Um, Those are all things I would like to see and that I think are possibly on the table. The other thing that everyone's obviously thrown out too is like, will Zelda be playable? Um, I'd like to think so. I have a hard time thinking that she will be. Um, no, I don't think she will be. You know, the other, uh, the other, I think the problem is when they gave Zelda a voice, they kind of took that off the table for me. You know, Link's never had a voice because you are Link and, and you're yeah. playing that. You, you know, you are the protagonist. When you give the character a voice, they become, you know, part of that narrative. You either need to give Link a voice as well, or Zelda becomes quiet again when you're playing her. And to me, that doesn't make sense. I think in terms of an innovation I wouldn't mind seeing would be if they're not going to make Zelda playable, making her um, like a supporting character in the way that like um, like Elizabeth was in like Bioshock Infinite, right? Or like, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another example. That's probably the best one. But like something like that where it's like, oh, like Link doesn't talk, right? So like Zelda is there. So when you interact with people, she talks to them, right? Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, you give you as a player someone to bounce off of and like that, you know, when there's a fight, like she uses magic or whatever, like she's just there and she's like an AI character who can kind of just have your back, like, and kind of be like, a Navi or, you know, like the, the other kinds of like companion characters they used to have, but like that isn't fucking annoying because people like Zelda. Um, that would, I think, be a, an innovation worth exploring as well. But I also worry that then like that might take away from some of the like, I'm like free in exploring this map. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like you feel like you're alone in this desolate place. But I would love to see them like pull a Taken Two, where it is, you know, Link's been captured and now you're playing as Zelda. Yeah, I mean, you, I think that would be cool. But I, but I, but I, I think, I think you'd have to do it that way. Like, I think Breath of the Wild Two would have to be like you just play as Zelda, and I, I mm-hmm. that's not a problem. I'm totally open for that. Um, but I think you got to You'd have to just commit to this is this is a game where you play as Zelda because she would fight so differently than Link. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I could also see them maybe doing like a Dishonored 2 thing where it's like you choose, you play as Link or you play as Zelda and then like you get a different It'd be story. great if there was replayability. That'd be cool. That's like, I always love that in the Resident Evil games where you would be 
Um, Chris or Jill? Resident Evil 2, yeah. It would be, well, yeah, Resident Evil's Chris or Jill. Resident Evil 2 is Leon or Claire. And it, you always could go back and play. And you would see different areas that you wouldn't get to see as the other player. Because you can access them. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Speaking of Resident Evil, that's a great segue into our question uh, from Left Eye Lazy, who wrote in from the Discord and said, with so much fan art and social media marketing from fans for RE8, uh, Capcom is seeing a massive sales bump for the entirety of the franchise right right now. And arguably, it's all because of the giant vampire mommy. What franchise do you think, or I'm sorry, what franchise do you want to see get a horny push in the next few years? (laughs) <laughs> I I love this question because it's it's funny because it's like on the onset it's like oh that's like that's a funny question but like <laughs> it's true like it like I don't know if they necessarily had that that thought of like oh <laughs> like you know this is gonna be a viral fucking thing and everyone's gonna go nuts for it but like yeah like it it did it sure did like I feel like. Resident Evil's been quietly back since seven and like kind of been like, yeah, no, we're fucking back, man. Like we're a game of the year contender. We might not win, but we're there. Like, and it's kind of quietly been earning its fucking cachet back. And mm-hmm. then eight feels like the game that like, oh, it came out and every, everybody's, you know, this got it. It's got everyone's attention right now. Um, and I've got a bit of FOMO about it. Because I really want to, I really want to experience this giant vampire lady. What is she like? Ten feet tall? I think she's nine feet tall. Ugh, yeah, it's mad. It's like fucking crazy. Um, so in, in terms of like what franchise could benefit from this? Well, it's not necessarily a benefit. It's like what you'd want. What you'd want. I don't and, really. And I, I think it's got to be a franchise that's beloved, that fell out of favor. You want it to come back, but I can't think of something that's like gone stale that I'm still into, which is difficult because like it feels like they kept making Resident Evil games, but none of them hit, none of them landed. Yeah, five and six like were kind of mm-hmm. people weren't weren't about it. Um, Maybe we do the a Mario Party horny push for Mario Party. <laughs> <maybe. laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> with, what have we already got? We've already got Diddy Kong with his, you know. His, pasties uh, on his yeah, on his, his pasties. That's true. <laughs> Shoot, I don't know, because because I'm trying to think about it, and I'm trying to think of like an answer that would actually work and like not be like, not feel crass or not feel like um like out of place, you know? Because like I don't feel that way about Lady uh, Domestic. I can never say her name. Lady uh, D. Lady D. Mm. Which we agreed we I shouldn't call her maybe, but um that's fine. Because, uh, like, I think it works so well because she's a villain. And it was like, oh, this is immediately striking and it immediately gives a, the game an identity, you know? And I'm trying to think, like, how do you do that? Like, my struggle is I just can't think of another franchise that's gone stale. That needs it. Yeah. I mean, there's an I guess there's an argument to be made and I say this as a BioWare fan, we lean into the horniness on Mass Effect and Dragon Age. It's always been one of the parts mm. that people love, you know? We go full frontal. <laughs> I mean, it seems that in the latest um Assassin's Creed they went full in with it as well. Like I was playing Wait, as, really? 
Yeah, I was playing as Cassandra in, uh, I think it was Odyssey. Yeah. And yeah. she would sleep yeah. with anyone. Like, uh, the, uh, I spoke to this guy, so, uh, this, this guy, and he was like, oh, please, can you help my wife? And I'm thinking, yeah, sure, I'll help your wife. She really needs someone to, to take care of her. And I'm like, I can take care of her. What do you need? He wanted me to sleep with his wife. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, yeah, all right, fine. Yeah, fuck it, why not? Yeah, whatever. She was an attractive lady. I'm an attractive I, lady. Let's just do it. If I can help out, sure. I'll roll my <laughs> sleeves up and do the hard work, you know? <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Uh I think I think I'll I think I'll leave it at that one. <laughs> Cause I the only other one that came to mind was like maybe you give Metroid like a, a sexy I, villain. I was thinking that, like you know, but I don't think it needs it because any time there's a Metroid game is going to sell anyway. I mean, Samus is already hot, but that's the thing, right? Is like she's tough, and like I feel like that's not to say that she can't be sexy, but I feel like I don't, I don't think you'd want to lean into that for her character. But like if you give her like an antagonist that has that like scary anime like villain energy you know like that could work that could work as like a good like counterpoint mm. to her maybe um that isn't like dark samus or you know mother brain or whatever okay we did i think we did some important work here today steve um so uh you know we were gonna do a little predictions recap this episode but we're definitely uh running long in the tooth so We'll 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 put a pin in that one maybe for next week unless there's another uh, main topic worthy topic. Um, but yeah, so that'll be that'll be on the docket for next week. If you want to uh, tune in for that one, you can hear us talk about our 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 predictions so far. We'll check in and see who's winning. Uh, how do we feel about some of the other ones? Are there any others that we can definitely cross off? Um, so that that'll be a fun time uh, because there will be a winner and there will be a loser. Uh, the question or, is, or there'll be a tie. What happens at a tie? Well, then we we keep we keep it rolling. We 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 wait and see. Um, but I think <laughs> the important thing to remember is that next week, uh, Steve has placed his honor on the line and promised to all of us that that he will have played Mass Effect. He promised uh, to me, uh, to you listeners, uh, all right here in front of God. So you know, I uh, uh, I hope that uh, I hope that Steve. Uh, honors his promise and and proves to be the man that I think him to be, uh, which is one of honor and integrity. So we'll see how that plays out. So it's going to be an interesting episode either way next week. <laughs> I don't know where you got that from. Was it the time I bought Fire Emblem and played five minutes? <laughs> Maybe I just like to think the best of my friends. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I think that's that's the kind of person you are. You're just a, a positive kind of guy. Yeah. Maybe I'm too giving. Well, don't prove me wrong, Steve. Don't shatter my faith in humanity, all right? Anyway, uh, thank you guys for joining us here in another episode of the podcast. If you want to get some more content from us, uh, remember all the ways that I said you could at the top. We're on YouTube. We are wherever you get your podcasts every Monday. We are on Twitch every Thursday, except for this one, because I fucked us up. And we'll be back next week to stream some more games, so go check that out. And uh, you can also head over to patreon.com slash where for just a buck. You can keep the conversation rolling with this week's After Dark, where Steve and I talked about a litany of things, and none of them were uh, depressing this week. So that's pretty good. Check it out. Um, all right. So thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Potscast. We will catch you next week. Take it easy. <laughs>